Welcome to the Beware the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah. Today we're going to be reviewing a movie that came out last year in 2021. And it's got um, it's got a little bit of uh, mixed feelings out there in the universe. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, from what I've seen, people feel really strongly about it, one way or the other. Um, so I might get flamed for this episode. I might not. I think the further away from the release date we're getting, the more love this movie is getting. Because I think a major issue, well, not necessarily an issue, but an issue as far as audiences were concerned for this movie was the marketing campaign. Um, you know, I've heard Joe Dante talk multiple times about The Howling back in, uh, I think it was 82 when it was released. And he, he talks about it. I've heard him, like I said, talk about it frequently or a couple of times. And he said, you know, we specifically avoided werewolves in that, the campaigning. Like we avoided, you know, any kind of werewolf imagery, anything like that. It was very specifically set up to look like a thriller in the city because at that time, werewolf movies were seen as kind of hokey, kind of campy, very old school, not very scary. So if they had advertised it as a werewolf movie, he didn't think it would have done very well. And so he said, he you know, he said even, you know, our job is to get the butts in the seats. That's the ad campaign's job. You just get the butts in the seats. And once the butts are in the seats, it's kind of too late at that point. You can't really ask for a refund, you know. And So I think that's kind of what this ad campaign did a little bit. So this movie was a movie by James Wan who did Saw. And he did The Conjuring Universe. That's his baby. And he did Dead Silence as well. Um, but that one wasn't well received either. Um... So I think this one was a little bit misconstrued because they put out, oh, from the maker of Saw, from the maker of The Conjuring. And if you've seen those movies, especially Saw, I'm a Saw fan of just the original. I can't watch the others. They're a little too much for me. But the original was really, really good. Um, it's very ingenuitive. It was very different. It was low budget. It was a very good breakout film for him. And so when you see the name James Wan and you see Saw, and I'll, I'll, you know, to be fair, a lot of other people think the Conjuring movies are scary. I personally don't find them scary. Um, I don't know why I don't, possibly. I think it's a lot of um, telegraph jump scares. For me, the, the scare has to last longer than the moment, like, if you're just going for a jump scare and there's no tenseness before and no tenseness afterward, to me it's a cheap scare. And it's it's fine to a certain extent. Some people really like it. it it's a need, believe it or not, to help people get their foot in the door of horror. So, you, you know, if you can't handle the typical cheap jump scare, you're not going to be able to handle something like the Evil Dead remake or something like that. Something with more intensity to it. So it's, it's a necessary evil. But... Um, I just don't find his movies particularly scary, but I do find them enjoyable, definitely. And this one I found enjoyable. I am, of course, if you haven't figured it out yet, talking about last year's Malignment. Just kidding. It's Malignant. For me, I was very excited about Malignant um, just because I heard it was a, it's a James Wan movie. I saw one of the original teasers, and that was it. And I think that's the best way to see this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet... I'm going to do a non-spoiler review first, just because I think this movie is best if you're open-minded and you know absolutely nothing about it. 
like the plot, the characters, like if you just know nothing about it, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. It's not a scary movie, like I said. It's got some good violence, some good gore, some good action sequences. Um, there's quite a few good gory scenes, quite a few good chase scenes, you know, some, some tensity, but I think once you get to the end, the teeth is kind of taken out of the tense moments, so when you rewatch it, it's not tense anymore. Um, but for what it is, it's, it's a very enjoyable movie, I think. Like, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I had a great time watching it. I made my dad watch it with me. That's how good I thought it was just because I thought it would be fun to watch with him. And it was, it was a, it was a blast. I love watching things, stupid things with my dad. And it's kind of one of those stupid things. It's just a ridiculous movie. Um, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous movie. If you're looking for something that's going to give you nightmares, if you're looking for something that's going to keep you up at night, if you're looking for something that's going to get you and your friends in a spooked out mood. This is not your movie. But if you're looking for a good time, j just to waste a couple, you know, couple of your minutes, just throw away some time. You want something good, something entertaining, something fun. This movie is that. You want to throw in some good gory bits and pieces in there. A really good murderer, really good villain. Really good characters, very well acted. This, I think some of the moments, just the cinematography coupled with the actors' reactions, coupled with the script, coupled with the score, just makes the movie very funny. It's It knows what it is. It knows it's not a movie set out to rip your heart out or, you know, make you hold your breath. It's a movie that's setting out to entertain you, and it does that. I think it accomplishes that very well. So in spite of the 52%, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and the I think it was 73% critic score that I checked. I, I think it's a great movie. I'd highly recommend it. And I also do want to mention, so this might be a little spoiler spoilery for some people. We're getting into that territory now. Um, one of the reasons I listen to reviews and podcasts about horror movies is in case there's something in there that's going to trigger me. I do have some triggers. They're very few and far between, but I, I you know, I want to look out for other people, and if there's a very obvious trigger that I can see within a movie, I'm going to let people know during my review. So, this this movie does have one of those kind of triggery moments. There's a bit of domestic abuse. It's very brief. It's really, it's intense while it's happening. You're like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, buddy. Calm down. That's your wife. That's a human being. Oh my gosh, she's pregnant. Can you not do, oh my gosh, someone throw this guy in jail. But the the moment's very brief. Um, it maybe lasts a minute or two. And then that's it. It's, it doesn't happen again throughout the whole movie. So if you can hang with that, cool. If not, I get it. But I did want to let you know there's that trigger and I, like I said, I'm going to look out for those triggers, those obvious ones. If you've got a weird trigger, like the Kool-Aid man or something, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not going to get to you. I'm just not going to be able to help you with that. Although, to be fair, I've never seen the Kool-Aid man in a movie, let alone a horror movie. Maybe that's a thing in the future. I don't know. But well, I will keep an eye out for those obvious triggers. So now, moving on to the spoiler. Spoiler section of the review. Um... So this movie opens up in 1993 in this, like, th this cliffside with this big building, and it says it's 
a research hospital, medical research hospital, and I'm like, bullshit, that's just Arkham Asylum, can't fool me, warden, but whatever. We go in there, and there's this doctor doing, like, a video log on a specific patient, and she's like, the patient is getting stronger, and da-da-da-da-da, and then all of a sudden, there's alarms going off, and it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And we go from being, you know, her blogging, her vlogging camera to an actual camera and we're following her and they're like, oh, he's out of control and blah, 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 blah. So you're getting, there's like this dire situation going on. Red lights are blaring. And that's another thing in this movie. There's a lot of red, a lot of, at this beginning part, there's a lot of flashing lights. Um, So if you're sensitive to that, maybe watch out. Sorry, maybe I should have mentioned that earlier, but I assume that's kind of just a thing you have to watch out for in general in horror movies anyway. So anyhow, they get to the room and they're like, bodies are coming flying out of this room. Clearly there's something in there just fucking shit up. And so they try to, this guy tries to trank whatever is in there. And he does like a really bad, like, like, oh my gosh, you're an idiot. Like right away you're like, oh my gosh, no one's making smart decisions in this movie. Cool, cool. Like, and it's fine. I'm down with it. He, he throws his arm in there and it gets like ripped in half, but not completely. So then the doctor picks up the gun and shoots whatever's in there. And they get in there and the doctor's like, you know, strap him to the chair. And you're like, oh gosh, what's happening? Who is that? So they strap him to the chair and all of a sudden a radio comes on and this voice comes out of it. And this other doctor's like, oh, he's broadcasting his thoughts. And so the the lady doctor, she's like, I thought we could help him, but we can't. And she's like, it's time to cut out the cancer. And then the beat drops and it's like, burner, burner, burner. And just like this hardcore music. <laughs> right after this corny line. And I love it. I'm like, that's so funny to make it. it like, it seems so hardcore, but it's like, it's not. And I just love that. It's, it's, a, it's a good taste of what the tone of this movie is going to be like. So we skip from there to present day. It says it's present day. I think it's kind of weird because it gives us this like ambiguous fluctuating interpretation of what present day is. Because immediately you see this house and it's not like a newer house. It's not a modern build, I don't think. And then you see an old Toyota Corolla that's probably as old as I am. And you're like, wait, is this modern day? So it's very ambiguous. And you get in the house, and the stuff in the house is very ambiguous as well. Like, there's no flat screens, nothing like that. There's, like, a guy on the bed watching TV. It's on a flat screen. And this is trigger warning part, by the way. Maybe skip a minute or two for the domestic violence bits. Um, This woman, she comes home. She's pregnant. Her name's Maddie. She's our main character of the movie. And Maddie is, like... She came home early from work. Her husband, Derek, is laying on the bed with his feet up. And his feet have his shoes on. Which is fucking gross. Why would you do that? Like, if this man were my husband... First of all, he would just not be my husband. But I'd be like... What are you doing with your your shoes on the bed? Like, clearly... Clearly something's wrong with this guy. Just fucked in the head. Clearly. So, she's like talking to him he's getting upset and he's he's escalating real quick this guy is the husband 
and he's like, how many times am I going to watch my babies die inside of you? And you're like, whoa, buddy, like, calm down. Take 10 steps back. Like, she's trying to carry these babies. They're miscarrying. That's not her fault. I need you to chill. And clearly Maddie's distraught about it, too. Like, she's, she, you know, and it gets revealed through the movie. Like, she wants to have a baby. She wants a baby. And this guy is just, like, slamming her for not being able to carry one. Like, wow, what a POS. Like, someone, someone castrate this man. He does not deserve this woman. He doesn't deserve any woman. So he's freaking out. He pokes her in the belly, and she's like, don't touch her. And when she does that, she, like, smacks his hand away. So, of course, he, you know, she, she, he reacts on a level two, so she reacts on a level three. So he's got to take it to level 15. He grabs her, like, by the face. He palms her fucking face and slams her, the back of her head, into the wall and creates, like, this comet-like dent in the wall. And you're like, oh, my word. And, of course, she... She slides down the wall and there's blood and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get some ice. I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. He runs out. And as he's downstairs, she goes over and she shuts the bedroom door and locks it, which valid choice. Good for her. (laughs) 15 out of 10. Beautiful, beautiful decision. Should have done it sooner, but you know, can't, can't blame her. At least she's getting there. And he's of course doing his abuser thing oh you know I'm so sorry you know that's not me and I'm gonna do better and blah 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 whatever piece of shit so anyway cut it's night you know he's sleeping on the couch good for Maddie Maddie's nowhere to be seen something there's a sound and he gets up and he's like thinks it's Maddie it's not Maddie I think the door's open he closes it, blender goes off, he shuts it off, the door to the fridge suddenly opens and the light spills through the kitchen, he goes and he closes it, and then the TV turns on in the living room. So he goes to check it out, and there's a silhouette there, and the TV is flashing through the channels really quick, just like channel, 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 channel. And so you're seeing this silhouette just being like strobe lighted, and then it just disappears. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then something pops up behind him. And you assume he's a dead man. Maddie comes running out of her bedroom. And she's like, Derek? And like, nothing. She gets spooked. The thing chases her. She runs up the stairs. She trips up the stairs. And at this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, that poor baby. Oh no. She trips up the stairs and is going upstairs. And she gets up there and she shuts the door to her bedroom. Almost, almost. She almost latches it, like, but the door doesn't click shut. She didn't get there in time. The thing pushes the door, hits her in the head, and then she falls on the floor and hits her head on the floor and passes out. And you're like, oh my gosh. My dad was like, that's exactly what she needed right now. He was like, that's that's enough to cause a miscarriage. And I was like, yeah, all that stress plus all that physical trauma. Oh my gosh. Her hormones have to be. I was like, yeah, no, that's like the last thing she needed. So the cops arrive and immediately I like these detectives. They're just, they have a good rapport with each other. They're these like hardcore detectives, seasoned detectives. They come in and 
the one is just already fed up. <laughs> like, she's already fed up. She's like, this is bullshit. We're here at 4.30 in the morning. It's not what she says, but that's, like, her attitude. And I love it. I'm here for it. And the other guy, you know, it's like the good cop, bad cop, except it's not necessarily good cop, bad cop. It's more like detective who's fed up with shit and detective who still has a little bit of hope for humanity. Like, that's kind of how they are. And I love it. It's a great dynamic. And they play it so well. And... She's amazing, just like a hard-boiled cop, you know, just here to get the job done, here to figure it out. And he is just a fine man, a fine, fine man, gotta say. And so they show up, they're talking about what happened, they're like, intruder, neighbors heard screaming, they called it in, and they step up and the forensic lady is like, I've only seen trauma like this from like a vehicular accident. And his body is all twisted up. He looks like, he looks like Mangle from Friday Nights at Freddy's too. Like that's, that's what he looks like. If you're like, I want a visual representation, Mangle from Five Nights at Freddy's too. That's, that's it. He is, he is mega dead. Very extremely dead. Like, even if he survived, no, he would want to be dead. So they're like, oh yeah, we found the wife unconscious upstairs, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, the forensic analyst is like, get this. There's, you know, no handprints, but it seems like the perp was on the ceiling, which is crazy. So they're like thinking it's a break and entry, da, 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 da. And the detective, the male one, his name's Kakoa. So Detective Kakoa is like, gotta talk to her, see what she saw, see what she heard, as a good detective would. And then it cuts to Maddie's waking up in the hospital and there's this blonde chick sitting next to her um, with blonde hair and literally the same haircut. All the women in this movie have literally the same haircut except Regina, the other detective, the female detective. Everyone has this haircut in this movie. Even the forensic analyst, I swear she does, she just has it up in a ponytail to hide it better. But everyone in this movie has this fucking haircut and I don't know why. So, they, she wakes up, there's this blonde haired girl, her name is Sydney, she's the sister, and she's like, what happened? And she's like, Derek didn't make it, and she's like, oh, and she's like, I'm just, I was so scared, I wanted to protect my baby, and she goes to touch the baby, and the lump is gone, and you're like, damn it, which, in retrospect, you're like, she'd probably have something there if she had like a lump because like there's still a lot in there even if the baby miscarried because you gain I don't know maybe not maybe not but I feel like there would still be it wouldn't just be like completely flat again you know what I'm saying like there would be some kind of evidence that there had been a baby there but no it's completely flat so she's like looks at Sydney in terror and fear and Sydney's like they couldn't save her I'm so sorry and then Maddie like loses it she's screaming you know classic like oh no god no stuff and my dad was like she didn't have that reaction for Derek and I was like why would she what a piece of shit she was probably like Derek and she's like no I didn't make it and she was like oh thank god internally <laughs> so then Kakoa shows up to, I think the morgue is the next scene, and he's talking with Detective Regina, and Regina's like, so talk to the neighbors, apparently Mr. Mitchell used to throw Mrs. Mitchell around, there's no evidence for breaking an entry, that's a motive, so he's like, gotta talk to her, so he goes to the hospital to talk to her, and she's like, catatonic, 
Like, he's like, um, Maddie, Mrs. Mitchell, and she's like, nothing. Just staring out the window, like, contemplating existence, hating the fact that she still is dealing with it. And in comes a princess. Just kidding, it's the sister, Cindy. And he's like, Kakoa is like, what, what are you, like, wearing kind of a thing? And she's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a princess at Family Planet. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Like, what is family plan? I I just want to know. And I know, I get the princess thing. Like, I have a friend who does that. And I just, I love that people do that. Like, that's a job you can have. That's amazing. Like, it shouldn't belong to just Disney. Everyone should be able to dress as princesses for birthday parties, even in the Midwest. But, like, I just think that that's, it's, like, so funny. Because, like, she comes in in this, basically, a Cinderella dress. And it's just never, no one brings it up again. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the rest of the story. It's not even, like, I've tried to connect it metaphorically. And I can't find the connection metaphorically. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fine. It just adds a layer, I guess. It's, it's very random. It's very great. I love it. And then, so, Kakoa starts asking her questions, like you know, did you, did you, you know, this isn't her first time miscarrying, and Sydney's like, what? And he's like, yeah, did you not, like, she's, the nurses said that she's miscarried, like, four times or whatever. Sydney's like, oh my gosh, no, she didn't tell me that. I don't know why she wouldn't have told me that. And she explains, like, you know, Derek kept us apart. She, you know, hops in the bed with Maddie and is, like, cuddling her, and Kiko is like, just call me if you remember anything, if she wakes up and remembers anything. She's like, okay, we'll do. So then we cut to two weeks later, and they're pulling into Maddie's house, and Sydney's like, you know, I can, I can stay with you for a couple of weeks if you want. She's, she's trying to be an actress, and she's like, I'm not really booking gigs anyway, and da 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 da. Maddie's like, no, this is my house. I'm not gonna let them take this from me. Too strong, independent woman vibes. She gets up, she goes in the house, and that night she sees the silhouette across the street in the street light and the doors are blowing up open in her house and she's freaking out and then we cut to I think I'm pretty sure this is the part where we cut to the Seattle underground which <laughs> seems really really random but actually metaphorically makes a lot of sense and I will come back to this at the end so we're in the Seattle underground which is a real thing. I googled it. It's a real place. There's this lady there who literally has the same haircut. Like I said, all the women in this movie have the same haircut with the bangs and the ha and the straight hair and like. So she's she's talking about the Seattle underground and the history of it and how when they decided to rebuild downtown Seattle, they decided to rebuild it a story above on top of the old Seattle. So now there's just like all these old storefronts underground, which is really cool. I never have wanted to visit Seattle before really, like for the sites and stuff, but like I would 100% go to Seattle specifically just to see the underground. That shit is so cool. That's the kind of stuff that just amazes me. So she's down there doing her tour and talking to all these people, the lights flicker and she makes like a joke about it. Then everybody's leaving and they're tipping her and stuff and she's like getting ready to leave for the night. And this is, like, one of the genuinely spooky moments of the movie. Like, there's someone down there. <laughs> my dad made the comment. So the lights go off and they go off with the... <clears throat> and my dad goes, yeah, because when I shut off the lights, they always go... <clears throat> and I was like, shh, dad, it's a movie. It's not got to be dramatic, especially this movie. So she's gets chased by this guy and, you know, he takes her and you see him... 
um, he's, he's got her tied up to like a rafter in an attic and there's this big industrial fan going. And so I'm like, okay, he's like in a warehouse building somewhere was my thought. And he tells her, oh, I've waited so long to talk to you or whatever, whatever. So then the next day, Maddie gets up and she's like, fuck it, I'm sick of being scared of shit. I'm going to install deadbolts, which... Well played. Good move. 15 out of 10. Glad someone's making smart decisions in this movie. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but Maddie's not going to be that person. She goes, she installs all these deadbolts, installs them all herself. She Like, the fact that she just has extra deadbolts in her house that she never... But whatever, I guess it makes sense because she had an abusive husband. Anyway, she has extra deadbolts that are just lying around that she just installs in her house, which then she's upstairs and she's staring at that hole in the wall that her head made. Sydney comes over, and she comes over with, like, a casserole dish. She uses her key to get in, and of course can't because it's deadbolted. So instead of, like, I don't know, like, throwing rocks at the window or something, she climbs through the fucking window. Like, she climbs a tree, gets to the second story, and knocks on the window, scares the absolute piss out of Maddie. And it's like, yeah, your doors are locked. Like, what the hell? And she's like, yeah, I installed deadbolts. She's like, oh, good move, you know, kind of thing. But she's like, mom made you a casserole, and it's downstairs by your front door because I couldn't carry it up here or whatever. And then Maddie admits, like, oh, yeah, that hole in the wall, like... Uh, Derek made that with my head and Sydney was like fuck that guy and you're like so true Sydney <laughs> I'm glad someone said it you know and then they they're talking and you can just tell Maddie has something she wants to get off her chest and she's like you know I was gonna leave him but then I got pregnant and I just really wanted to have a blood connection with someone and my first thought was like oh my lord, is she going to tell her sister that she's adopted? Like, she's going to look at Sydney and be like, Sydney, you're adopted? Because that's a dick move. Like, don't, that's, that's such an asshole thing to do. But she looks at Sydney and she's like, Sydney, I'm adopted. And there's still <laughs> Sydney's face. Sydney still makes an expression as if she had been told she was adopted. And there's like this dramatic push in and the music is like super dramatic. And it's just so funny to me. And that's when you can kind of see the tone of this movie is ridiculous. You kind of get it at that point. You're like, oh, so this is how the movie is. And it stays like that the rest of the movie. Like, it just gets worse and worse, you know? So, like, Maddie that night, she's doing laundry. And uh, earlier, whoever had kidnapped the lady from the underground, he made a phone call to a doctor and he's like, time to cut out the cancer. <laughs> Evil villain laugh, which is super good. The voice for the villain is so good. And so um, that night, Maddie's like, she's gathering her laundry and she goes downstairs to throw it all in. And she's, this is another like good moment that's actually genuinely scary. It's like a good jump scare you see this lady's face in the reflection of, like, the washing machine door. And she's like, what are you doing in my house? And Maddie's like, this is my house. <laughs> and you're like, wow, <laughs> confusing moment for poor Maddie. Rip Maddie. But uh, it goes through, and it's this guy in this cloak who had attacked Gabriel. She had seen him. Like, it's clearly the same guy. He, and it's the guy, definitely, who kidnapped the lady from the underground. He murders the fuck out of this old woman with, like, a medical trophy. She's, like, a surgeon, blah, blah, blah. She's, of course, the surgeon from the beginning. He grabs one of her medical trophies, beats her to death with the base of it, and then takes the blade thing with the snakes wrapped around it, and he takes that with him. So then 
he takes that with him and Maddie sees the whole thing in this vision, like her surroundings warp and she's in this lady's house and blah, 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 blah. And the next morning she's puking and her sister Sydney's there and Sydney's like, are you okay? And she's like, I, did you know that lady on the news? And she's like, no, like I saw what happened. I saw him kill her. And in the meantime, the detectives are at the house, you know, and it's the same two detectives, like the odds that are... I, I just want to know what the odds are that it would be the same two detectives. Because I watch a lot of, like, crime dramas, real crime dramas, and I, I feel like there's a lot more detectives in a city like Seattle than two. Like, I, I just, I, I feel like the odds are way too high. Wait, or way too low. They're way too low for it to be the same two detectives at this homicide as Derek's homicide. But anyway, it's Kakoa and Regina. And they go in and... They're like, oh, half the murder weapon is missing, and where is it? And then cuts to the murderer. He's, like, hammering off the snakes, and he's sharpening the knife, and it's a really, really cool weapon. Like, just, like, the idea of it is so bizarre, but so cool. Like, I just love it. Very unique murder weapon. And he, the lady who's tied up is trying to escape, and he throws it. And it goes through one of the wood planks that she's tied to. And he's like, don't even draw it. And you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) You just know that's going to fuck some people up. And so so I'm getting like personally excited to see this killer become like, you know, his ultimate final form or what have you. And uh, that night, another murder happens. Maddie lays down in bed and starts seeing it. And this whole time, the back of her head keeps bleeding, but you can see it, and there's, like, nothing there. She's just putting her hand up and, you know, pulling away blood. You know, there's nothing there. But this night, she she goes to bed, and she, on her pillows that she has to change every Every day, even though there's two of them, she only uses one of them. She has to change sheets every fucking day for this pillowcase. Think about that, and that just is so frustrating. Like, head just stop bleeding. How does how is it bleeding two and a half weeks later? It doesn't make any sense. Which is a thing, comes back. Anyway. So she lays down and then it's a transition. She sees this man laying next to her. And this man is, of course, one of the doctors from Arkham Asylum at the beginning. And he is laying in his bed and the killer crawls over Maddie, which ugh, just like thinking about that is so gross. Like ugh, that would just, that would just gross me out. Especially the killer has like this long tangly black hair that's always soaked because he's running around the middle of the night in Seattle and it's always raining. And uh, he's like, Oh, don't touch me. <laughs> he crawls over her. And of course he just stabs the fuck out of this man's face like he doesn't even stab he does not stab the man anywhere else just his face it's so great and then the next day maddie wakes up and she's like telling sydney and sydney's like we gotta go tell the detectives so they go to tell the detectives and of course regina is like what the hell are you talking about and sydney's like don't you like consult psychics i love this part she's like don't you consult psychics for murder cases sometimes I I you know I I know you do that and she's like we we don't and she's like well I played a psychic on a detective show once and they said it was a real thing <laughs> and that's that's just such a good line good throwaway line I love it and so Maddie's like listen if we go to this place I can tell you where it's at and you'll find this dead guy there like 
I, I know. So they, of course, go there because Coco and Sydney are making eyes at each other. Regina notices, of course, makes a comment about it, which is so funny. They go to this hotel, or not, it's not actually a hotel, it just looks like a hotel, but it's actually really nice apartments on the inside. So they get to these apartments, and they go up to about the place where Maddie said, and sure enough, they find the guy's body in there, and it is just, it looks like Meatloaf, like, exploded abscess wounds, like, it's just, it looks like pounded meat. It's disgusting and wonderful. I love it. It's great gore. And so, of course, crime scene now, da-da-da, they do believe Maddie. Next scene, you know, Maddie is showing them, like, they're handing the sketch of the man, the killer, to Regina. And Regina takes it, and she goes, so I'm putting out a bolo on Sloth from the Goonies. (laughs) And you're like, oh my gosh, because the killer's face looks like, like, liver, like, intestine, like, brain. It's so gross. And there's, like, one eye and, like, the scraggly hair. And it's so, like, I I want to know how she described that to the sketch artist or did she make the sketch herself? I'm so confused and I just want to know. So, something I forgot to mention, totally my bad, is when they had gone to the first doctor's house, she had had a bunch of journals out from previous patients And one of them was this girl named Emily May from the Arkham Asylum place. And it's not called that for real, guys. I'm so sorry. It's just can't, it's it's stuck in my head as Arkham Asylum. So they take this photo, the detective does, of this girl, Emily May, from Arkham Asylum. And he had another worker in the police precinct age it up. And he's like, at this moment, Maddie and Sydney are leaving, and this particular worker who had aged up this photo comes in, and he goes, oh, hey, you found the girl, and he's like, what are you talking about, and he's like, didn't you see the photo? Like, I left it on your desk. I thought that's why she was here. You brought her in, and he's like, Detective Coco is like, what? And he's like, shuffling through his papers, and sure enough, he pulls out the picture, and it's not even like a sketch or anything. It's not a 3D rendition. It's literally a photo of Maddie. And it's so ridiculous, and it's so great. I love it. It does not look, like, 3D in it. Like, no, it's just a picture of her. And so he's like, oh, no. You know, connecting the dots, you know? So Maddie gets a phone call while they're at the precinct, too, uh, from the killer, and the killer's, like, threatening, whatever, whatever. And she's like, Gabriel, no! And he's like, ha, 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 They told you I was just in your head. Da-da-da-da-da. So she's like freaking out. She's like, we gotta go talk to mom. She says to Sydney when they leave, she's like, you know, mom must have known something. Like mom might know something. She, you know, she adopted me. She would know. She would remember. She would at least have something. So she, they go there and they greet the mom. And the mom is so funny because the mom is like full grandma mode now for whatever reason. Like they get there and she's like, you look so thin. Have you been eating? And I'm like, that's such a grandma thing to say. You don't even have grandkids yet, but you're a full grandma. I love it. I'm about it. She's like, I need to cook more. And I'm like, that's such a thing my grandma would say. So then she's like, Mom, did the adoption agency say that I had a brother or something? And she's like, no, they didn't tell me. Like, the only thing they would tell me is that if they were siblings, they tried to place them in the same home. And she goes, then who the fuck is Gabriel? And her mom's face is just like, oh, just like dramatic push in with the camera, dramatic music drop. It's so good. They go inside and she takes them inside and pops in this old VCR. And it's 
you know, Maddie when she first got to their house and she tells a sad story about how like Maddie really wanted a birthday party and like kept begging until dad broke down and said yes and they invited her whole class and no one showed up and I was like that's so sad like oh my gosh I'm 100% gonna be that mom that's like I know that kid's a freak but you're going to their birthday party I don't care if you're gonna be the only one there that's so sad (laughs) my kids are gonna hate me but actually, that's how I met my best friend, kind of, sort of. I was like, no, she's weird. She has orange hair. And my mom was like, no, you're going to hang out with her. And I did. And she's my best friend still. Which is a horrible example because uh, now I'm definitely going to do that to my kids. Anyway, she's at the birthday party alone. Her parents are singing happy birthday to her. And she starts talking to someone next to her. And, like, they go through some of these videos Gabriel is talking about killing the baby, which is great. And the mom explains, like, you know, whatever you went through before you came to us was very traumatic for you. So we thought you invented this imaginary friend, Gabriel, to help you cope with that. And we thought if we gave you enough love, you would eventually not need Gabriel. And she's like, and we thought it worked and we thought we were right, but maybe we were wrong sort of a thing. So at this point, the sister and Madison they go back to Madison's house and that night detective Kakoa he is like oh my gosh there's a link between Madison and these doctors and there's a third one I gotta go find that guy so he runs off to go find that guy and Maddie starts having another vision again of Le murderer Gabriel and they Kakoa gets to the apartment and he's looking for the doctor and he's like hey you need to let me know if you're here blah 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 and he busts into the bathroom, and again, murder. This guy's face is literally just, like, decimated meat. Like, he, it looks like a shark attack victim on his face. And Maddie's like, detective, he's still here! And sure enough, this man is like, Gabriel is, like, in the corner, like, pulling a... It's like that scene from The Grinch when Jim Carrey's on the ceiling. It's the same thing. Except it's not funny because he has a knife. And he jumps down to Kakoa and they struggle. And they go out that... Gabriel goes out the balcony and goes down the fire escape in the wildest fucking way. It's insane. And at this point, I am living. This movie is so crazy. I'm just like... I don't give a shit about how ridiculous it is. I love it. This man is like lunging away from the fire. It's so hard to explain. You just gotta watch it. It's so good. Your brain is broken just watching him just like rappel down this fire escape. And Kiko is like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he, which same. And he goes, like, so here's this man leaping from level to level to level on the outs- outside the exterior of this fire escape. And Kiko is just like, moseying his way down these stairs as fast as he possibly can taking them one at a time and you're like there's no way he's gonna catch this man and Gabriel gets to the bottom jumps onto this dumpster and then jumps onto the ground and runs off and Kako is like I gotta be out of my fucking mind and then he jumps onto the dumpster too and the way he hits the dumpster is like boom like no give and then he immediately falls onto the pavement and you're like oh my god and you're like there's no way he would just get up and run like that man is so fit I can't even he gets up and he runs after Gabriel and Gabriel is like oh my gosh you get the full reveal of what his body's kind of like and it's it's completely backwards backwards hands backwards knees like it's like someone running full speed backwards but like actually doing a good job at it it's 
terrifying and weird and you're like ew gross the whole time you're watching it it's like a gross out body horror thing and there's like this big scuffle in the underground like Gabriel breaks through his window and like snakes his way into Seattle underground and Kikoa follows him through which you're like why would you do that obviously he has the upper hand here you don't even have backup hello he goes through anyway almost dies Gabriel escapes Kikoa goes fuck me at the end <laughs> yeah true like but he did he did a damn good job keeping up i was surprised i was like nah i didn't look at that dumpster and like fuck it i'm calling for backup <laughs> no way is that happening so then the next day kakoa goes to madison's house and he's got regina there and sydney's there and he's explaining to madison like you were this little girl emily may and these were your doctors so you need to talk to us about you know, this stuff, we need to reach back before you can remember, we've got a hypnotherapist. And Sydney, again, comes in with such a good line, she's like, ha, I knew it. And Regina's like, she's not a psychic. <laughs> Which, valid, they're completely different, but it's just so funny. I knew it. So Madison agrees to be hypnotized to try and recollect these memories. And she remembers Gabriel telling her to kill Sydney. And then Madison has, like, a meltdown in the hypnosis, so they bring her out of it, and she's, like, explains to them for real, like, yeah, Sydney was a threat to him, some, for some reason he wanted her dead, which, at this point, you're like, oh, oh my god, this is the worst defense. Like, you know she's telling the truth, but you're like, this is just the worst defense. Like, if you're not Madison or Sydney, like, there's no way you believe Madison, and Regina straight up is like, so you're telling us your imaginary friend is the killer, and you're like, oh, she's so going to jail, <laughs> there's no way she's not going to jail, so at the same time, the lady who was taken from the underground, she escapes, she is escaped, she gets out of her restraints, cuts them off, falls off the beam she's attached to, and then takes like two steps and falls through the floor, which is actually the ceiling of Maddie's house. <laughs> So not only is she super going to, like, not only is she a suspect, and she's already, like, going to, to downtown to talk to them, she's super fucking arrested. Like, there's no way. Like, this woman who's a kidnapped victim just falls out of her ceiling. <laughs> they go up there, and they find all of Gabriel's shit. They find his cloak. They find his, not the knife. They find his gloves. They're like, you're like, oh my sweet Jesus, there's, there's just no way she's not going to prison for forever. They take her downtown, they put her in the interrogation room, and Gabriel calls, and he's like, I want to, she's like, Madison just knows, like, he wants to talk to you, and it's Gabriel, and Regina's a genius, she pulls out her phone, starts recording at the same time, so that way they can kind of get Gabriel on recording, which is great for Madison's defense, like, we need that, please do. And then Kiko is like, are you trying to frame her? And he's like, the dumb bitch didn't even know I was in her attic. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty on par with, like, what, like, they're, they're saying he's an imaginary friend. Spoiler, he's quote-unquote her brother. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty on par for your brother. Like, at this point, he's mad at her, so he's called her bitch, which is a very brother thing to do. And he's put a hole in her ceiling, which brothers, if you don't know this, if you don't have brothers, they just put holes in things. They put holes in doors, they put holes in walls. If you would like a house... That is not holy, like with complete doors and complete walls that just have no holes in them, don't have brothers. 
pro-life tip. You'll thank me later. So he, they're like, you know, talking to Gabriel and he's like, blah, 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 evil, super laugh. It's great. I love it. And at the same time, Sydney is like talking to her mom, figuring things out. She goes to Arkham Asylum by herself at night, I will add. <laughs> Why would you go at night? <laughs> like she got there during the day, swore on me mom she did, and she chooses to go in at fucking night. And I'm not even worried about the killer. I'm worried about, like, I'm not worried about Gabriel getting her. I'm worried about random ass homeless drug addicts hanging out in there gonna murder her she goes in there she goes to the basement because of course all the records are in the basement she gets the box she starts rifling through it in the basement and i'm like oh, sweet jesus you're gonna die and if, i like sydney as a character so i didn't want her i was freaking out the first time i watched this but of course this movie is like subverted so many expectations and it just and it just does that again so nothing happens at all not even a jump scare which i kind of like and then um, we're back to the precinct and Sydney's, or not Sydney, Madison's in the jail cell. She's like in the tank with everyone. And this jail tank is just full of like everyone cosplaying as a prostitute. Like any kind of prostitute you can think of from any age, like it's there. Pretty sure there's a medieval prostitute. No, there's not. But I feel like there is. There's probably like there's a, a prostitute from the 1970s in there. Freaking Eileen Warnos is in there. Someone cosplaying as her. Like, it's ridiculous the amount of, like, just dirty-looking prostitutes that are in this tank. And Maddie's like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, this is a mistake. So she sits down and she's, like, trying to be quiet. And, of course, they start picking on her. And Sydney goes home... And her and her mom start watching the videos. And her mom had explained, like, I had been told that Maddie's mother died during childbirth. So they watched the first video and it's Maddie's mother crying and explaining. The doctor explains like she's 15, she was raped and now she's giving her children to us for their care. And it's so funny because the mom's outrage is so, <laughs> it's so funny. Like your daughter's being framed for murder and you're like, they told me she was dead. They lied to me. <laughs> like she's mad at them for lying to her. You're just like, um, can we focus a little bit, lady? So they find out, like, Gabriel is attached to her, and the reveal of Gabriel is so fucking wild. He's like this, like, pumpkin head thing with, like, little T-Rex arms living on the back of Emily slash Maddie, and he's like, Wah! like, oh my gosh. And at this point, you know, Emily or Maddie is a, a side sleeper because you can't just sleep on that. So, you know, that's where that came from. And um, then you understand the beginning, like, you know, they, they go into detail explaining like we had he was a tumor. You know, he he was a twin. Then she absorbed him. Then he became a tumor. Um, and somehow he's like, you know, he connect his brain's connected to Emily's slash Maddie's, so they have to, they're like, we have to cut him out, but in order to do that, like, we can't cut his brain out, because it's connected to Maddie's brain that would kill Maddie, so instead what they did was suppressed him, which, what the fuck, <laughs> like, they, they just pushed this little dude's face 
into Maddie's fucking skull and then close her fucking skull up. Like, that would fix everything. Um, what? <laughs> no. In what universe would that fix everything? Of course, Maddie's in the lockup and she's being, she's getting the kick, the shit kicked out of her by, like, the other, like, by the prostitutes and stuff, the other ladies in there. And she just starts going full, like, like, werewolf transformation mode, except she's, like, pulling at the back of her head, and she pulls her fucking skull apart, and Gabriel comes out, and he, like, takes over her body, and it's fucking insane, and the whole time, so he starts committing murder, just, like, barehanded murder, ripping people's throats out, like, throwing people around, it's insane, and Eileen Warnos, who started all this shit, she's like, the guards, get the motherfucking guards, and she's, like, throwing a people in his path to like try to protect herself <laughs> so fucked up it's so good and he's like just killing the shit out of everybody and the guard comes finally after everyone is dead and he grabs the guard and kills the guard and takes his keys and this is like one of the coolest fight scenes i've ever seen he just like he just fucks up this whole police precinct like they've got shotguns they got weapons and he is just like crawling around like a banshee and dodging like the fucking matrix and then just like ripping people's throats out shooting them with their own guns it's, just, it's so good kakoa and regina are there in the basement before like the big showdown happens and they're like parking their vehicle and sydney calls and she's like kakoa like here's the deal this is what happened da, 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 da. and he's like that doesn't make any sense because like it doesn't make any sense and she's like we got to talk to uh, her mom, her mom is the lady in the attic who fell out, and he's like, yeah, I know, like, we already figured that out, blah, 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 and she's like, what, we gotta talk to her, and he's like, well, she's at the hospital, she's in a coma, and she's like, er, skirt, skirt, and just turns her car around to get to the hospital, and Kiko is like, I gotta go, and of course, like, they're being completely murdered by freaking, <laughs> they're still being murdered by Gabriel, and him and Regina are, like, going there in the middle of the firefight, there's a firefight in the middle of their police precinct, and this big open, like, open area with everybody's desks in it, so they're, like, hiding behind their own desks and stuff, getting shot at by their own people, it's so good, and finally, like, they, they get to where it's just Regina, Kakoa, and Gabriel, and Gabriel breaks Kakoa's arm, but Regina's got a shotgun, so Gabriel runs away, and he had, like, slashed Regina, but she still got the shotgun, so he runs away, and he had broken into the evidence locker to get all of his stuff back, so, like, even though he's got his cloak and his gloves and everything, you can still see Maddie's face on the back of his head this whole time. It's so weird, and then, like, this, this part is kind of, like, iffy for me because it gets like it's really cool but when you watch it a second time you can kind of notice where they're using cgi versus a stunt actor because the limbs are normal and it's like a stunt actor and they didn't like follow through with the cgi which the cgi is not great anyway but i'm like i still want to see gabriel's little spider looking limbs like crawling around everywhere but whatever so kakoa regina like shoulders him and is like come on we'll get you out of here blah 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 and Gabriel, as he's walking out of the front of the police precinct, yeets a chair across the whole room for no goddamn reason and hits Kakoa and Regina just like one last time. It doesn't kill them. It's not to kill them. It's just to be like, fuck you one last time. And it's so funny to me. Like, he's so petty. He's literally like Scar the Lion on steroids. Like, it's just, it's so funny to me. And he leaves and he's on his way to kill 
um, Emily and his mom. And Kakoa and Regina are talking, and Regina's like, no, you gotta go, blah, blah, blah. And the forensic analyst comes out, and she calls, it's so funny, she calls, she starts dialing on her phone, she goes, wait, why am I calling the police? <laughs> so dumb, it's so good. Like, it was like one of the few times you use that, and I'm glad they did, it's so funny. So they, by they, I mean Gabriel and Maddie, are headed toward the hospital. Sydney gets there and talks to the guard outside of... Emily, Maddie, Gabriel's mom's door, and she's like, you gotta let me in there, I gotta talk to her, and he's like, no ma'am, only authorized personnel, and she's like, just call Kokoa, he'll explain everything, and he's like, I can't let you in unless Kokoa is with you, and I love the way this man is delivering his lines, like, I just think it's great, and then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, oh, and he's feeling his chest, and he's like, oh, something's wrong with my pacemaker, and the pacemaker fucking explodes inside his chest it's so crazy it's so good and then uh gabriel shows up and he's like you know very murdery kakoa shows up and he tries to subdue gabriel gabriel subdues him instead he subdues sydney um his mom is like i shouldn't have gave you away you were my son and i should have loved you da 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 and then Gabriel is still pissed, and he's like, I'm going to kill everybody anyway, because fuck everything. And he goes to kill Sydney, and Sydney is like, Maddie, he killed your babies. He's the reason you couldn't carry a kid. He, he's the reason you kept miscarrying, because he kept stealing the life force from the babies. Like, he was stealing those nutrients and sucking it out of them, and that's why. And so, of course, Maddie, you can see, she's pissed. And... And Gabriel is, like, gonna shoot her with the gun. And he threw a bed on her, a hospital bed on her. So she's pinned to the floor in the wall. And he goes to shoot her. And he's, like, ha-ha. And he blows her brains out. And Emily, Maddie's mom, screams. And then he goes and he suffocates her. And he's, like, I just wanted to see what you made me. A monster. And Maddie's, like, no, Gabriel. You were always a monster. And you're, like, yeah, for real, you fucking asshole. Like, who are you kidding? You've always been a dick. And so she takes back her body. She's like, I can do all the tricks that you can't. She's like, I can do all the mind stuff you can, blah, 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 blah. So she traps him inside her mind. The whole thing was a, like a thing, a hallucination she had created. Sort of how Gabriel was doing that to her, where he made her think that she was doing her laundry and all that sort of thing. Like, continuing her normal life. Because they, you know, they talk about that in one of the videos. The doctor's like, you know, Gabriel can control her mental environment like he makes her think she's living out these normal moments but she's not he's taken over the body and so she's like I can do that to you and that's her, and that's clearly what she did like in real time he's still holding the gun to Sydney's head and Maddie is like you know you're never gonna take over my body again and blah, blah 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 and she locks him in my jail and and he's like you know I'm still here like you can't get rid of me and she's like I know but next time I'll be and you're like, oh, snap. And so she closes the cell door on him. And he's like, no. And she's like, you know, <gasps> takes a big gasp. And she's back in her own body. And she's throwing off the cloak and the gloves. And she goes to pick up the hospital bed. And Sydney's like, it's heavy. It's too heavy. And she's like, this was always my body. And so she, like, picks it up and lifts it off her. And you're like, hell yeah. What a badass. And then she's like, I was looking for a blood connection this whole time, but it was right in front of me. It was you and da-da-da-da-da. And then they hug. 
and the mom is smiling at them from the hospital bed and then you can kind of hear like static like Gabriel's controlling electricity and then the movie cuts out and that's the end of the movie and I'm glad that's the end of the movie because I'm like Maddie's still going to prison for fucking ever <laughs> and I'm also like now that I like I've seen it and I've sat with it like for a week or two I'm like so when Gabriel was like like the laundry incident when she went to do her laundry, like, does that mean Gabriel did her laundry? Like, is he, like, was he just like, ah, oh, God, I gotta do this girl. She's gonna suspect something, so I guess I gotta do the laundry. He's just, like, doing her laundry, pissed, and folding it, pissed, because he's like, I'd rather be murdering people. <laughs> gotta do this to cover my tracks, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that's kind of a fun image to have, and I had that, giving it to you. You're welcome. But I really like this movie. I thought it was enjoyable. Like I said, it's not very scary. It's not going to keep you up at night. It's not really a thinking movie. It's not elevated horror in any regard, which is totally fine. You know, I, lo I love elevated horror, but I also like stuff like this. That's just a lot of fun. And it's just a lot of fun. Um, watching it with my dad was a great time, too. I wish I could have recorded some of his reactions because he was just too funny in general. And then especially, like watching a movie like this he he guessed everything like 10 or 15 minutes ahead of time it was crazy like he guessed like halfway through oh he's on the back of her head and I was like damn Bob and he was like oh he, he's in her attic the first time he saw the attic he's like oh he's in her attic and I was like do addicts actually look like that I still don't really know I'm from Florida so I really don't know if addicts look like that like in places like Seattle like that's crazy to me that all addicts have like industrial fucking fans like that doesn't make any sense whatever dad says it I guess I believe it I don't know coming back to the whole Seattle underground thing like in retrospect it's so funny because it's like you know something that's being built on top of something else you get it because like you know they built Gabriel's they rebuilt Maddie's skull over Gabriel's face like it's kind of like it's kind of symbolic kind of metaphorical not really in an important way it's just kind of like a weird sense of foreshadowing but I liked it I really dug it it was great <laughs> like in retrospect it's it's a good bit I, it makes sense to use Seattle underground and that's Malignant in a nutshell it came out in 2021 directed by James Wan personally I recommend it I think it's a lot of fun it's a nonsense movie. You're not going to learn anything. There's no life lesson in it, but, you know, it, it's fun. That's the point of it. It's ridiculous. It's goofy. It's dumb. It's great. Uh, sounds like something you would enjoy. Definitely check it out. I think it's definitely worth the time. But that's all I've got for today. This has been the Beware the Moon podcast with Hannah, and I hope to catch you guys next time.